Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast presented by the State Newspaper. We are your go-to source for a quick and informative look into the state of South Carolina sports. And I am your host, Greg Hadley, joined by men's basketball beat writer, Andrew Ramsbacker. Andrew, we are sitting actually inside Colonial Life Arena where South Carolina men's basketball just lost to Houston by 20 points. But I wanted to go back before that. The last time we talked, it was before the Thanksgiving tournament when South Carolina was in Cancun. They lost two games that trip. When you watch those games against Wichita State and Northern Iowa, what did you see as the big issues for South Carolina? I think going into the Cancun Challenge in Mexico, expectations for this team were already lowered a little bit just because of uh, that surprising loss to Boston University. This team got off to a 3-0 start. It was blowing everybody out. It made everyone believe that what was said about this team in the preseason was coming to life. You know, they were really good defensively. They were fun to watch. They got out in the open floor, all that stuff. And that BU game hit, and I think it kind of said, wait a minute, they got some growing up to do here. They, they, this team might not be as good right now as we were led to believe. And then they go to Cancun, and you know who you got to play first. And you're like, okay, well, if they can have a good performance here, maybe they're back to that team that we saw in the first three games. And uh, Wichita State was that first opponent, coached by Greg Marshall, a guy that South Carolina knows a lot about. He's from Greenwood, coached at Winthrop, and he was fired up for that game. Uh, a guy who grew up a South Carolina fan, and man, did he have his team ready. They blew out the Gamecocks. It was the worst performance of the season by far uh, to that point. South Carolina didn't have a chance. Couldn't make a shot. Got punched in the mouth early and, and, and never recovered. And Wichita State ends up winning that game by 23 points so it was interesting to see how they recover Uh, they go play a northern iowa team another team that's an ncaa caliber ncaa tournament caliber team the next day and really if they make free throws they probably win Uh, i thought it was even in a losing effort they've won six games this year i thought that northern iowa game was one of their best performance of the season even though it came at a loss they competed jr bolden had some series of plays down the stretch jermaine kuznard was played well Uh, aj lawson who did not play well against wichita state came back the next night looked back to being that all-ACC caliber player that he is. And uh, it almost got him a win. They ended up losing that game by six. So I think you're feeling okay, you know, about this team now. Like, okay, maybe they're not as good as what we thought they were. But, you know, an 0-2 performance in Cancun, but ended somewhat on a a more positive note, even though it was losing effort. Uh, You come back, you don't put away George Washington. Kind of win that game by by nine points. And I think now you're back to ground zero. I think you, you you keep trying to tell yourself, hey, maybe these guys are better. But you keep getting back to... Maybe that team we saw against Boston University is the team that this team's going to be this year, at least right now. And I think that's kind of contingent here at these last couple games. Yeah, so after that GW game, they go to UMass, uh, which you were actually able to go to up in Amherst. And that was a that was a kind of a dogfight as well. The Minutemen kind of rallied late to make it a little interesting. What did you see from South Carolina there? I saw a, a South Carolina team that looked like the team we saw like in the summer in the pro-am settings and stuff like that that was running the floor that was exciting that could score a bunch of points but you got to put that in perspective UMass pressed the entire game which I think if teams press this South Carolina team from going forward I think the Gamecocks are going to have success because they have the athletes to be able to run the floor and get out transition it was a layup line at times Keyshawn Bryant was back which was a big big boost to that team for that particular game especially because you needed guys with balls in their hands in the open floor to make decisions. Keyshawn Bryant's very good at that. Frank Martin, I thought, tweaked his rotations a little bit. Had Jermaine Kuznar run a lot of point guard. Uh, A.J. Lawson had the ball in his hands a lot. Not as 
much, Jared Bolden. Basically had your five best athletes out there at times, and it led to 84 points. And they didn't play great defensively. UMass still hit uh, some timely threes that made it close late, but they still able to win, able to get a road win, their first true road game of the season, and 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 they win that game. But I think that game was more about maybe less about South Carolina's performance in totality of the season than it was just that particular matchup. That was a good matchup for South Carolina's personnel against that press, and, and they worked it. I mean, 52 points in the paint, a season high, probably one of the highest marks by a South Carolina team under Frank Martin. They just got to the rim. They didn't settle for threes, and UMass defense kind of played to that, and the Gamecocks took advantage. And like you said, every time you think they might be getting on the right track or exceeding expectations, they take a step back, and that brings us to this Sunday up against Houston. It just seemed like, especially from inside the arc, kind of strangely, South Carolina just had no offensive rhythm. They lose. It was, I think, more than 10 points was Houston's lead throughout the entire second half. I mean, at this point, Frank Martin came came out after the game and, again, talked, I think you said earlier, you know, they got punched in the mouth against Wichita State and they never recovered. Used the similar language today. Yeah, this was Wichita State kind of part two, uh, I think. And Wichita State and Houston were the two best opponents this team has faced so far. And clearly there's a huge gap there between where South Carolina is right now and two teams that are likely going to the NCAA tournament. So if there's a positive, South Carolina knows where it stands. <laughs> and, and it's got Clemson and Virginia next, so it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get more of these tests. And those games are on the road. But Houston came out, took a 7 nothing lead, and, and got that thing up to 12 by halftime. And South Carolina missed 11 of its first 13 shots. That was the sign that, like, this is uh, going to be another game where this team's in an offensive rut. And this team is not playing good enough defense right now to overcome offensive struggles. You saw it against Wichita State. You've seen that in other games. You saw it against Boston University. And when you do that and you're not hitting shots, it just it just makes it really, really hard, particularly against good teams. And Houston is a good team, a much better team than, than South Carolina is right now. And, and you're right. I mean, every time you think this team maybe turns that little corner, they're like, okay, they can get back to looking like they were for those first three games. Granted, those first three games were against inferior competition. But still, the way they moved, the way they played in that game was exciting, I think, for fans and watching them. And you saw the potential. And you haven't seen that back yet. And maybe because Keyshawn Bryant came back, that would come back. You know, that that would be, this would be team finally at full strength, playing their best opponent at home uh, to begin this huge three-game stretch of the non-conference season. And uh, they weren't in it from the get-go. Never led in this game. Houston led for the final 23-plus minutes. And uh, the entire second half, South Carolina was never within 10 points. Every time they got a chance to hit a big shot, to get momentum back, they couldn't make it. And they gave up a bucket on the other end. And too many of those sequences, and uh, you got a 20-point loss. You mentioned the return of Keyshawn Bryan. I think maybe a lot of fans were thinking that would be what would revitalize, re-energize this team. Frank had some interesting comments about his play, though, after Houston. Yeah, he said that he didn't get the sense from Keyshawn that he was all that confident early in the game to really give him a big run in this game. Now, that sounds kind of weird. I get it. Uh, But Frank attributed that to the fact that he hasn't practiced a whole lot and against a team like Houston, as opposed to maybe a team like UMass they played the other night, that he just wasn't going to be a factor and putting him out there is maybe a little unfair for a guy that hasn't had uh, enough reps. But, I mean, you lose the game by double digits, you know, Keyshawn Bryant got a little more run, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what kind of spark would have happened today. I just think this team was off from the get-go, and no one could make shots. They could not make series of shots. It's a simple game uh, when you get down to it, and at the end of the day, that's what hurts South Carolina. You shoot 32% from the floor, you're not going to win, particularly when your opponent shoots 50%. So they're not defending well, they're not hitting shots. Uh, It's just a bad combination. 
South Carolina 10 games in, 21 more games to go, non-conference starting to wrap up. They don't have a lot of opportunities left for super high-quality non-conference wins. And as we've been talking about, it seems like their best win to date really is UMass. Yeah, which isn't all that quality a win. They haven't, they haven't beat anybody in the top 100. Uh, Ken Palm at this point, you know, they've had three chances now against uh, quality teams that I think will all either contend or be in the discussion or be in the NCAA tournament field. We can talk about Northern Iowa, Wichita State, and, uh, and Houston, and you got blown out two of those games. So now as you, as you move ahead, uh, you still have two games before SEC starts. They're going to be tough, but maybe if you get one of these at least, it gives you a little momentum going to the SEC play. But you do play at Clemson next Sunday, and then you play at Virginia, the reigning national champions, at John Paul Jones Arena, a place where Virginia has not lost in a very long time. That's a very hard place to play. So really you're looking at you got to get Clemson <laughs> next week to feel a little better about yourself. And then you got Stetson on December 30th before SEC play starts. Um, then I'll give you eight wins. And you know, you look back at it, you can think about, well, last year's non-conference was was a little similar to this. You know, I think they went 7-6 and six in non-conference play, I think, before SEC started. And obviously in SEC play, they played really well. Uh, got out of the gate hot, 5-1, and one, and rode that to an 11-7 and seven and fourth place finish in the league. So I think it's what people optimistically are thinking, right, that this team will get better as the season goes on. There's too much talent here for it not to. But even if it does, is it too late? Yeah, I mean, you say, look at last year. They didn't make any postseason last no. year. No, they didn't make any postseason, and they pointed back to the non-conference for the big reason for that. And that was a storyline of this preseason. Everyone said, players talked about, yeah, we messed up. You know, we know we got to be better than non-conference this year because it hurt us last year. And so far, they just haven't, they haven't corrected that error, you know. Really only one bad loss. That was to Boston University, but still not a good win when you've had some opportunities to do so. All right, we'll have to see how they do against Clemson. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. Greg, women's basketball doing a little better than men's basketball right now. Uh, This is a team that won its uh, holiday tournament or over Thanksgiving, right, knocking off Baylor, which was a big deal for for this team and has since come back and uh, had had knocked off Temple on the road. What are your impressions of of a South Carolina team that seems to be blending a uh, highly ranked class of freshmen early on and getting some contributions from some veterans and Don Staley looks like she's got another another good team going here in the non-conference. Yeah, the Thanksgiving tournament was interesting. They lost their opening game to Indiana, and I think that kind of showcased some of the pitfalls of the young players that you're talking about, just getting in foul trouble, not being ready for a veteran team like Indiana that came in and hit their shots and gave them trouble along the perimeter especially. And then two days later, they come out and they beat number two Baylor, tied for the biggest win over a ranked opponent in program history. So especially that Baylor game, I think it showed a lot of growth from two days just to correct a lot of the you know mistakes they made against Indiana. Aaliyah Boston, freshman forward, I think a very strong pick right now to win SEC Freshman of the Year, went from fouling out and barely playing at all, and Dawn Staley said she was near tears after Indiana 
to coming back against Baylor. I don't think picking up a single foul for the first half and really solidifying South Carolina down low, especially because Baylor was missing some key post pieces. And I thought Dawn Staley's comments on her growth were especially interesting. Let's take a quick listen to them. Uh, a freshman, you know, who had that kind of performance, you don't know how they're going to put one foot back in, back in front of the other, but Aaliyah is really strong-minded. Leah has an incredible will and perseverance that nothing's going to stop her. I mean, she's she's going to be successful in life because of that, you know, the desire to to succeed, not even to please others. It's 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 her. It's internal. It's innate. Um, so to have her come back, I, was I surprised? No, not surprised. I, I've seen her too many times in in AAU settings and USA basketball settings to know that you know she she really didn't need a pep talk. But I did give her one. I just said. I told her, just remember, when you look around on the court, same thing I told Todd, you're going to be the best post on the floor. So whether you play, make a good play or bad play, you're the best one. So, so live up to that. And another thing Coach Staley mentioned in there that I thought was interesting was the emergence of senior point guard Taya Harris. For three years now, Dawn Staley's talked about how she's wanted Ty to take a bigger role in the offense, to call her own number more, to be more aggressive, and how that's kind of almost at odds with her personality of, you know, she likes to distribute, she holds the program record for assists in the season, she's, she's by nature more of that traditional throwback point guard that's not trying to score herself. But against Baylor, and then this week against Temple, she's scored back-to-back 20-point games for only the second time in her career really called her own number a lot, and especially against Temple when the Gamecocks were just in a dogfight. She was the one who kind of stepped up and took over the offense. South Carolina going on the road in that uh, that Temple game, as you mentioned, back in Philly, Don Staley's old stomping grounds. What do you think, besides Ty Harris, what did Don maybe learn about her team in that environment, maybe a closer game than maybe what some would have expected? Um, but what, what were the big takeaways from that, maybe beyond uh, what Ty Harris gave him in the clutch? Well, you're right. It was definitely much closer than expected. Temple just refused to go away. I mean, in contrast to what we saw a little bit with the Gamecocks men's team, where every time they would get close to 10 points but then could never quite get over that barrier against Houston, Temple just refused to go down by 10 points or much more. They refused to fade away, basically. And what I think the big problem for South Carolina in that game was just the struggle to get the ball inside to Boston. You saw it a little bit in what Indiana did against her, but they benefited from a very tightly called game. Temple did a better job of just completely denying her the ball inside. They would swarm two or three people to her every time you know she got it, and they were working really hard to even deny her opportunities to get her the ball, to even to start with. So that being said, it might give teams uh, you know a little bit of a blueprint of how to work her in the future, which will be concerning, but at the same time, you have to be at least a little pleased with the fact that South Carolina found a way to overcome it. Ty Harris played very well, as I mentioned. Some other freshmen stepped up as well. I think Bree Beal has been one of the more underrated, under-the-radar contributors on this team. I think she had something like 10 points and 7 rebounds against Temple, and she's a 6-foot guard, and she can she can play the 4 in a pinch. And I think with Boston struggling and some of the other forwards getting in foul trouble. She was a really good piece for them down there. I think she could be very interesting. Well, South Carolina only has that one loss, like you talked about, uh, falling to Indiana. But it, re- it responds in that same tournament 
and gets a high-caliber win, a huge win, probably one of the best wins of any team with a non-conference season by beating Baylor in a neutral floor. Where do you think right now uh, South Carolina should be ranked in, in the AP poll? Yeah, so it was a little bit of a controversy insofar as these things can be a controversy. When the AP poll came out after that tournament, they actually dropped a spot from five to six, despite having that number two win. Right now, women's basketball is just kind of in a a state of a weird flux. I know ESPN had an article also coming out around that time with, will the number one team in the country please stand up? And they were listing all these different teams and all the arguments they had to be number one, but all the, the knocks against them. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. In my own ballot, I put them at number five. I kept them basically where I kept them all year. And it's just because right now, that lost Indiana, you know, you can say it was a fluke. You can say it was an off night. You can say it was officiating, yada, yada, yada. But every team's got to deal with that. And the fact of the matter is they did lose. And there are some undefeated teams out there still that, while may not have the quality of the wins that South Carolina has, have played decent opponents and come through it nicely. It's really just about avoiding those mistakes. You know, the early part of the season can be so volatile with teams winning and losing against unexpected opponents. But right now, I think South Carolina is five and trending upwards, you know. With the coming SEC play, they really are going to have an opportunity to just keep on moving up because they're going to keep on racking up consistent wins or at least they'll have the opportunity to. And if they're able to do so, it's going to be harder and harder to deny that that Indiana loss was a fluke. Right now, we just don't know. You know, it could have been a fluke. It also could have been harbinger of things to come. We'll see, because like we saw against Temple, teams have a ways of making things difficult for them. All right, that is all we have for this episode. We'll be back with more basketball coverage and more coverage of football's offseason and search for an offensive coordinator. Thanks for listening, and please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts.